0: Good morning, Fabcasters. This is R. Bar with the Drive Time podcast talking about St. John of the Cross. So, about, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, I was sitting in a chapel and I heard this guy named Dr. John Coe talk about this man, St. John of the Cross, and this book that he wrote, which is called The Dark Night of the Soul. And so now for almost nearly two decades, I've been hearing reference to this dark night of the soul. What's the dark night of the soul? Because as I was sitting in that chapel as a teenager, um, I I heard what he was saying, but I wasn't really paying attention. But now almost 20 years later, I've experienced the dark night of the soul. So a little bit of background here. St. John of the Cross, even though I don't... I believe we're all saints. There's saints and there's ain'ts, but we're all saints. But for the sake of this, I will go with it. He is Saint John of the Cross. He's a guy who lived from 1542 to 1591, and he was a monk, a Carmelite monk in in 1564. The dude studied philosophy and theology. And... um, he was named John of the Cross as a result because he suffered and because of his commitment to the monastery and to the church. And he spent the rest of his life in service to the Catholic reform. Through his leadership, through his leadership in many writings, um, he was he eventually wrote the Dark Night of the Soul when he, well, when he went through um, this this part of his life where God purged him from from a lot of sin. And in his book, I'm going to do the best I can to to capture it, but he talks about seven capital sins. And in each of these sins, it becomes clear how the soul has begun to misuse its spiritual consolation and why God must take it away in order to purify the soul from these imperfections. So in the dark night of the soul... Um, certain things like the, the enemy is basically silenced in the dark night of the soul so the, the third I'm not going to mention all the capital sins but you can read the book for yourself but the third capital sin that John St. John mentions St. John of the Cross mentions is spiritual luxury and he says it's in this spiritual sin of luxury that all of the others proceed thus it's the most important and so here's what happens in luxury a soul which is deep in prayer may experience profound temptations and find itself powerless to prevent them. So we, we've all felt this before. We, we felt powerless. And these sins, well, this happens in, in, in uh, there's one of three causes. There's the flesh, there's the devil, and then there's fear. But the first cause is physical pleasure because the body takes pleasure in, in spiritual things. Um, he says, But it cannot possess and lay hold of the upon the experience, and so begins to stir up what it can possess, namely the impure and the sensual. So, that was a little confusing, but it, it's basically the flesh desires fleshly things. And the second cause of, of the sin of luxury is is the devil or his demons. And in order to disturb and disquiet the soul, the the devil or his demons will try to stir up impurity within the soul, and he hopes that he will that the soul will give heed to these temptations, and then the soul will begin to fear these temptations and become lax in prayer, and if they persist, it may even give up on prayer altogether. That's that's what the devil wants us to do. He always wants us to shift our focus from God unto other things, and if if our life lacks a prayer life, the devil is accomplishing his objective. And the third cause of of the sin of luxury would be um, an inordinate fear of impure thoughts, in, in John of the Cross's words. And he says, Some souls are so tender and so frail that they cannot stand such thoughts and live in great fear of them. This fear itself can cause their downfall. They become agitated and at least disturbance and thus are too easily distracted. How many of us have, have struggled from fear and have been in bondage to fear? And then when the fears come up in the midst of, of, of what he says here in confession and communion, how many of us have, have been overcome by that and said, well, what would they think? What would my spouse think? What are they going to think of me, about me? All those things are, are rooted in fear. And here's what he says. I'm going to quote, When the soul enters the dark night, all these things are put under control. The flesh will be quieted, the devil will be silent, and the fear will subside. All because of the fact that God takes away all of the sensory pleasure... Of the, of the flesh the soul is purified in its absence but it's a dark night it's a dark night and I experienced this dark night of the soul oh I would say about um, I don't know three years ago now where the things I took pleasure in before even the spiritual things um, were all quieted and it's like God changed my spiritual DNA if that makes sense um, and and he also says this: there are some who become angry with themselves at this point, thinking that their loss of joy is a result of something they have done or have neglected to do. So, I think that's someone like me who who worships the God of Comfort, who is ridden with with uh, the deception of guilt and thinking that I am in control, um, but I'm not in control. So here's the truth. Their problem, people who, who become angry and think that their loss of joy is a result of something they've done, their problem is that they lack the patience that waits for whatever God would give them and whatever God chooses to give them. They must learn spiritual meekness which will come about in the dark night. So, there's a lot of things in this, in this little in this little book and then there's also a book called Devotional Classics that also mentions um, John of the Cross and the Dark Knight of the Soul but it's a really hard read I mean I got the audio book for Dark Knight of the Soul and it's it sounds like it's written in in ancient times 1500s and it's read by a guy that seems like he's reading out of um, the original Robin Hood movie um but if you stick with it and you and you really digest what he's talking about and the purging in the dark night of the soul and when when all of your spiritual disciplines and your Christianity or your spirituality is is put on the line and it no longer gives you the satisfaction that it, that it did before, um, it's an eye opening dark time, but it's a wonderful time. Um, one of the one of the. These sins, one of the the top seven that he mentions here, one is spiritual gluttony. And this was so convicting. He says this, The fifth sin is spiritual gluttony. Many souls become addicted to the spiritual sweetness of the devotional life and strive to obtain more and more of it. They pass beyond the limits of moderation and nearly kill themselves with spiritual excess. That's me. That was me. I mean... Fre- Beth Moore said this freedom is as addictive as bondage but man when I was addicted to spiritual gluttony i.e. I became a podcast addict but back then in, in 99, 98, 99, 2000 we didn't have podcasts so I was a tape addict and we called ourselves and if you are if you are one you'll know exactly what I'm talking about we called ourselves tapers you know what a taper is? A taper, this is a specific term to a specific group of people that I will not call out by name, but you'll know what I'm talking about if if you hear it. We gathered around a tape player. And we listened to a guy that had some solid doctrine, had some solid teaching. But it went overboard in the fact that many of us tapers didn't congregate in churches, but we gathered around a tape player, very cultish mindset. Listening to a guy from the 40s and 50s and 60s about the doctrine of this, the doctrine of that. We got pumped into our system, Bible doctrine. And there was never any room for transparency and vulnerability because you only confess to God and you never confess to people because God is our audience. And it was just laden with fear. Why would I ever confess something to God that I would be, then be afraid to confess to the brother or sisters in front of me. Why would I not participate in body community type living? That would be ludicrous. That would be so contradictory to the theology of the body in the church, because the theology of the body of Christ says the eye gets to see, the the eye gets to know what the foot knows, what the ear knows. What there's no secrets. When the body moves, it moves together. So there's no secret from from what one part of the body is struggling with with another part of the body. If that makes sense. So spiritual gluttony. My spiritual gluttony started back then. It actually goes beyond that because I grew up in San Clemente, California, surf little surf town, and K Wave 107.9. Every single radio in that in. San Clemente got that station because it was a San Clemente station so even if you your antenna broke off you still got that station so I grew up on Calvary Chapel the Calvary Chapel movement was in full effect in, in Orange County in Southern California uh, I grew up on Greg Glory I grew up on Raul Reese I grew up on Skip Heitzik I grew up on tremendous men of the faith tremendous men of the faith very inspiring guys uh, Chuck, Chuck uh, Smith it was on the radio. I remember every morning my mom would drive us to school sometimes when we were riding our bikes, and, and uh, we heard Chuck Smith. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with the Spirit of... And you know that song. I mean, it was, it was classic, classic 90s. But that's where my spiritual gluttony began. And I began to collect these sermons. I began to collect a, a, a strong database of good, solid stuff. But it started to become unbalanced um, when I became a taper, or was constantly just playing playing a doctrine. and with with no application of it, not. I mean, not completely no application of it, but I lacked application with some major parts, i e communal living, community living, bringing sins to the table because the the doctrine and the theology that I was saturating my soul with, Avoided honesty. Avoided transparency. Avoided embracing the brokenness, bringing that to the table, and sharing it with other believers who could meet me there and lift me up in that same place. That theology avoided it. And then I, I, I still struggle with, man, I just got to get all these podcasts. I just got to subscribe, man. I, my, my, my devices are loaded with great stuff and completely miss the role of community in doing life together, like I did last week. When I fought a, a battle with fear, I fought that by myself, and guess who lost? I lost that battle. But I've since confessed and repented from it in the midst of community, got a chance to share with my buddy this morning, who I met with at six in the morning for, for prayer and confession. Um, it is good. So, man, almost 20 years later, I'm, I'm finally understanding what the dark night of the soul is. Um, John of the Cross says this, For true spirituality consists in perseverance, patience, and humility. The sin of spiritual gluttony will prompt them to read more books, say more prayers, but God in His wisdom will deny them any consolation, because He knows that to feed this desire will create an inordinate appetite and breed innumerable evils. The Lord heals such souls through the arduity of the dark night. Freedom from religion is an amazing thing. When you experience it, you'll know what I'm talking about you're no longer addicted to, to sermons, when you're no, no longer addicted to seminars, when you're no longer addicted to collecting a lot of stuff and not actually exercising it in the area of confession and repentance and doing life together with other people. So I'm going to, in this devotional of St. John of the Cross, there's a devotional section here in, in uh, Richard Foster's book, Devotional Classics. Page 39 here. Here's the suggested exercise, okay? It's going to rock your world for you spiritual gluttons like me. Challenge number three, it says, Abandon your spiritual disciplines for one week. Hang on, hang on. Don't turn me off yet. While this may seem like a radical exercise, it may serve to free you from several hidden demons such as the performance trap, pride in your spiritual works, Religious addiction and the judging of those who do less than you. Use the time to relax and enjoy God. So in the margins here of my book, I, will, I wrote, Whoa! It's on! And and now I looked at my my Bible app, if you want to follow me on Bible app, or at least let me follow you on the Bible app, Bible.com. I turned it on this morning and said, Seven missed days. I was that was like a punch to my gut i ne- i don't think i've ever had well maybe not but to look at my bible app and it's told it tells me i've missed 7 days first of all that week flew by so fast it blew- it flew by so fast and you know i grew up on hearing statements like 7 days without the bible makes one week and and that sounds cute it preaches well but it's it's quite frankly unbiblical for those spiritual gluttons like me so maybe this might be the first time you've ever gone a week without doing your little devotional time Have you ever fasted from doing your your Bible reading or or even even fasted from from going to church oh my goodness is that does that sound heretical or what? But I think it'd be worth it. Maybe it's time to enter into that dark night of the soul maybe God's been trying to get you there but you've been holding on to. To spiritual disciplines or practices or I mean everybody's different, right? Some people are listening to this and saying, Good night, I, I wish I had an addiction to the Bible. I wish I had an addiction to to listening to sermons, but my addictions to porn or something else or drugs or heroin and man, it must be nice. It's not nice, let me tell you. Because there are certain sins that when they manifest themselves, people gain weight. People's teeth fall out people lose weight because of drugs and there are there's evidence that they're struggling with something for spiritual sins like gluttony spiritual gluttony nobody can see it nobody can see it and quite frankly I was in the best shape of my life when I was the, when I was at my worst I mean I'd wrestled at I'd wrestled um, in college and then I won the and I won the open men's the California the freestyle open men's division I mean, I was like in the best shape of my life, but spiritually I was all jacked up. So I just want to leave on that, on that note. Um, And then if you, if you want to this week reflect on Psalm 42, Psalm 42 is the dark night of the soul for the Psalmist. He says, as the as the deer longs for flowing streams. So my soul longs for you. O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food, day and night, when people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember, I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng, and led them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival." Where are why are you downcast o oh my soul and why are you so disquieted within me hope in god for i shall gain for I shall again praise him in my help and my god my soul is cast down within me therefore i remember you from the land of jordan and of hermon from mount mizar deep calls to deep At the thunder of your cataracts, all your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully? Because the enemy oppresses me, as with a deadly wound in my body. My adversaries taunt me. While they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him and my help and my God. Be blessed and go, be loved and love, Fabcasters. Love you guys. Bye.